It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, I, I really wanted to put this off at least one more week. Uh, if you are not watching on YouTube and just listening, you're not getting the full experience here. I am wearing the hashtag hater hat that Alan got me for Christmas. Uh, Steelers season coming to an end yesterday in Buffalo felt appropriate. Alan, how was Buffalo? Not the game. Let, let, let's, let's get away from the game for a second here. But the environment, of course, everybody knows this game getting pushed back today because of the weather. Just how was Buffalo in general before we dive into the game itself? <laughs> also if you are not listening this is why you're not getting the full experience because Alan just got up and was walking away <laughs> uh buffalo was uh man it was wild i've never experienced anything like that in my life in terms of uh just pure blizzard conditions um so we went up saturday as we were planning on um even though it was postponed we just felt like it was better to be up there Sunday, you know, uh, the lake effect snow is intense, and but it's it's very sporadic. And so where we were at our hotel by the Buffalo Airport, it wasn't really snowing that bad. Um, we wanted to really be able to show people what it was like at the stadium, why they weren't playing. We tried to drive to the stadium. It took us most of the day to get to the stadium. It's about 14 miles from where we were staying to the stadium. It took us about four hours. To get there, we had to try multiple routes because there were places where there were too many stuck cars that were blocking the roads. The visibility was a zero at times. I couldn't see the end of the hood of the car. Um, and you just had to stop and and wait until it maybe cleared up a little bit and you could go. Uh, the picture, if you f- find, look up my social media, I took from the gate of Highmark Stadium where you can just sort of make out the stadium in the background, maybe a hundred yards from the stadium. And honestly, I had to wait for a little bit for it to clear up to be able to take that picture so that you could see it. Um, Brutal conditions on Sunday. And then Monday, it was nice. I mean, it was cold. It was freezing cold, but nothing at all. And in terms of precipitation and uh, obviously got the game off without a hitch. And so I think they made the right call, but what an experience that was. Uh, Never, never been through anything like that. Is this the one you're referring to? That's yep. That's the one right there, man. Yeah. uh, There's definitely an outline going on kind of back there, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Wow. That's um, yeah. It's like I said, it's about a hundred yards from the stadium right there. I mean, that's the main entrance to the stadium and it's, you can barely see it. It was crazy. I've never, Mm -hmm. never experienced anything like that. If people like, could they have gotten the buses of the teams in and enough people to maybe like make a TV broadcast? Probably. I mean, we got there and in, in one four wheel drive, we found a way. Um, but like uh, Emily Jean Greco from channel four said, like she tried, like her and her producer tried to get the stadium and they couldn't do it. They couldn't find a way to get in there. Like the roads were just impassable. And so I, you know, any number of fans attempting to make it to that game, would have made it immediately impossible for travel whatsoever because any road that had more than five or six cars on it was stuck, was blocked with stuck cars. You just couldn't see people would just drive into the snowbank or 
get stuck in the, in the, I mean, there were feet of snow in the ground on the road. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Yeah. Wild scenes um, with the game getting pushed back. So the game gets pushed back and then it does take place on Monday, Alan Monday at four 30. What a, what a wild just season in general, to be honest with you, when you look at like three Saturday games, this random Monday, because of this getting pushed back a couple Thursday nights in here, wild schedule to begin with. Um, but, this game, I don't know where you want to start with it, whether it's offense, defense, just a general outlook of the game in general. Um, I'll kind of follow your lead here, but takeaways, did it go how you thought that it was going to? I mean, the Bills jump out to a 21 nothing lead before the Steelers really showed that they had a pulse in this one. Yeah, I didn't necessarily expect that. You know, the one thing I thought Rudolph had done a pretty good job of so far was taking care of the football. And then, you know, George Pickens fumbles one away. Um Pat Farmer's very lucky to not fumble one away. Mm-hmm. Really, honestly, could have been worse. Uh, I felt like the game could have been over in the first maybe 15 minutes. I don't think it was anything like it's not like the Bills were doing anything special or different or unusual. They were just playing their usual stuff at a very high level. You know, we talked last week about I felt like if there was a chance for the Steelers to win this game, the Bills were going to have to play along. They were going to have to let them in it. They were going to have to do some dumb stuff, and they just didn't. And I just thought a far better uh, team was on display. And look, that that Buffalo offense, when it is playing well, is among the best in the league. And they were. And they, and they were moving the ball at will. You know, the Steelers don't really have personnel answers for guys like Dalton Kincaid. Um, mm-hmm. Banged up. They didn't have T.J. Watt. They weren't able to find any splash on defense. But, uh, yeah, the game went pretty – Pretty much. I mean, look, if you go read my pregame primer right now, I thought Buffalo was still going to be able to throw it, even though it was cold. I thought that the Steelers were going to have a hard time protecting Mason Rudolph and that they were going to get into these throwing situations that he just hadn't been in. You know, I, I, I thought it was okay. You know, the interception was bad, but it really was just that they didn't have any success in obvious throwing situations, which you can't go through a season you know, only throwing when you're catching people off guard. You have to be able to have success in obvious throwing situations. And then they also didn't have any success in obvious running situations. You know, mm-hmm. Najee Harris made some comments about them running into some stacked boxes, and it's true, but they had just run into stacked boxes all game the previous two weeks against the Ravens and the Seahawks, and they had a lot of success with it. They didn't have any success in this one. And uh, I think that was probably what went, you know, that happening and then the Steelers not making that adjustment is maybe the the one big sort of coaching thing um, that, that I saw come out of this game. But I really thought my big takeaway was the team that was obviously better on paper played better on the field and deserved to win the game. Yeah, I mean, no takeaways, right? Like, we thought the Steelers were going to have to take away the football if they were going to have a shot in this one. They'd give the ball to Buffalo twice. Like you mentioned, with the Frymouth one could have been three times, uh, and they didn't turn over the ball from Josh Allen and the Bills' offense. Um, so I think that is probably one of the things that stuck out to me most. Looking at, uh, you mentioned the run game, Jalen Warren, 8 for 38, Najee Harris, 12 for 37. I mean, their longest rush of the game, a George Pickens 15-yard rush. Uh, even in the receiving game, outside of that 33-yard play by Frymouth where he, where he fumbled at the end, but was lucky that his helmet, while out of bounds, touched it. Uh, they didn't have another explosive play even in the passing game. So there was just no explosive plays created from this offense. Yeah, I thought they were a little bit conservative in their play calling, but I thought just in general, like what had worked the last couple of weeks didn't work, and they weren't able to get to something else fast enough. And then the turnovers. You know, you can live 
to work through, oh, this isn't working, we can figure it out, as long as you're punting the ball away. When you start turning it over, I think that's when it really starts to become a big problem, and it did for the Steelers. And the two turnovers to zero, the 14 points off turnovers, I mean, I think if, if you want to make it simple, that's pretty much the whole game. Yeah, you know, looking at the Bills' offense, I mean, you know, Josh Allen is 21 to 30, 203 yards, obviously the three passing touchdowns, uh, 79 yards on the ground for Cook, 74 aided by a 52-yard rush for Josh Allen on the ground. And then in the receiving game, Stephon Diggs is the only guy that had more than three receptions. You know, we were curious what it was going to look like without Gabe Davis, who was going to be the guy to step up. I guess you could say probably the tight ends. I would have expected that Dalton Kincaid would cause some fits for the Steelers defense. Didn't see an obvious fit of a guy that would be a solution for that question that the Bills were going to ask the Steelers defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in the passing game, they pretty much did what I expect them to do as well. Yeah, they really highlighted the Steelers' need and going into the offseason that they have to find a tight end answer. You know, that guy had been Terrell Edmonds for them over the years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe they thought that was going to be Keanu Neal. Maybe they thought it was going to be Devontae KZ. Heck, if he was healthy, I think they would have tried Trenton Thompson. They absolutely have to find another tight end answer going into the 2024 season on defense, whether that's an athletic linebacker or another strong safety. Uh, they have to find a way to, to fix that problem. It's one of the maybe under, I mean, look, everybody knows they, they, you know, they could use another corner. They could use a tackle. They could use a center, but I think finding a defender that can take away opposing tight ends and not make the Steelers use me. It's one thing to say like, Oh, just use Mika Fitzpatrick. There's like, well, if you're using your free safety for that, are you just playing man across the board? Then are you just giving one-on-one -on -one coverage to Stefan Diggs? Like you don't know where Dalton Kincaid is going to line up. You can't, try to play zone and then you know make it fit what the deep what the offense does you know it, it's either you've got to be able to have mul multiple guys that can cover a player that moves around or you're gonna have one guy staying on main coverage but if it's gonna be make if it's Patrick and main coverage it means you're not using on anybody else I mean that's a win for the bills too I just don't think that's the way Steelers can draw it up they just did not have answers for Dalton Kincaid or Dawson Knox and um, really felt like that was probably backbreaking for the Steelers defense. And, and that was right out of the gate. You know, Dawson Knox on the first drive, catching a touchdown, made it look very easy. And, I, and like I mentioned, you know, Bills jumped out to a 21 nothing lead here before the Steelers kind of made it a game. Um, you said where you said maybe you didn't see that aspect of it coming, you know, getting out to a 21 nothing lead. Um, but, you know, just in terms of the way that the game went in general, you mentioned in your primer, it was pretty much how you thought it would go. Um, did it align though, in terms of the way that it, like who was contributing to this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think it was pretty much what, what I thought was going to happen there. I, I, you know, thought Kincaid and, and, and Diggs would be the primary folks, the passing game. I thought the bills would throw, um, you know, maybe, maybe the thing that surprised me the most was Steelers inability to run the ball. I don't think that Buffalo run yeah. defense is that good, you know, and, and, and they had been blocking really well for Najee Harris. It just didn't seem like they got the same kind of push up front that they had the last couple of weeks against a front seven that is honestly like, like worse than what the Ravens, even though they weren't playing all their starters. Like I think the Ravens front seven that played against the Steelers a week ago was better than the Buffalo front seven. I just thought the Buffalo guys played better. You know, I didn't, I didn't think it was, um mysterious and then you know the difference between josh allen and mason rudolph was significant in this game and i don't think there's uh well, a whole lot that mason rudolph could ever do to <laughs> to change you know the significance of that difference that's just who they are i, I don't think 
don't think the Steelers had enough in other places to make up for their talent disparity at quarterback. And Allen, credit to him, you know, he didn't he he didn't make the big mistake. He didn't do the thing that mm-hmm. he had done all year in terms of trying to do too much, turn the football over, and keeping another team in it. It's it's never a good thing when your game plan just involves waiting for the other guy to screw up. Like if he doesn't, then then you, you don't have a chance. And that's what happened to the Steelers. I did feel like, you know, we saw Buffalo lose even some more bodies in this one due to injury. But going into it, they were pretty banged up and no Russell Douglas. I was curious how that would, would go. I thought there was a lot of meat left on the bone for the Steelers passing attack. Like going back and watching it, they didn't have a guy on that Bills secondary that was keeping up with Deontay Johnson. He was winning pretty handily at the line of scrimmage. And I think that they left some meat on the bone in terms of what, because he had four for 48 with a touchdown. I think that could have been inflated a lot more with what I watched back on film. I thought the Bills did a nice job of disguising their coverages, and I didn't think Mason Rudolph did as good of a job as he has been doing of finding the open guy. You know, there was one, uh, I think it was right before Calvin Austin eventually scored, um, where he had, he threw the ball to George Pickens in the end zone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Deontay Johnson did a guy within 20 yards of him, and they mm-hmm. were sort of in the same visual plane. Like, if you were looking at one, you should have been able to see the other. He just totally missed him. I thought he stared some guys down. So he stared Deontay Johnson down on the interception where it just seemed like he was looking one way and really waiting for a guy to come open. Um, there was like a throwaway on a third down, which you don't want to see. You know, I, I didn't think it was a particularly good good read. The like the ball came out of his hand okay, and he was under pressure a lot. But I, I just didn't think he had been the same guy that we saw earlier in terms of fi- being able to find the open guy and, and come off a read and make another one. Um, some credit to Buffalo for their ability to disguise coverages. So that really helped them deal with their talent deficiency in that area. But you can only disguise for so long. There should have been open plays for the Steelers to make in the passing game, and they just never found them. Uh, you know, maybe it's just a product of maybe this is the fallback anytime that things necessarily aren't going well, but they stay in it. So maybe I'm like really scra- scrapping the bottom of the barrel here to come up with a compliment. Um, but I do appreciate the compete level, especially from Mason Rudolph the entire way through. No, I asked Mason about that after the game. You know, it felt like what was it about eight, nine minutes in? They were down 21 nothing. Mm-hmm. That, that they could have phoned it in right there. And honestly, um, the reporter in me was like, Oh, you could get me home an hour earlier if you just if you just threw one pick six here. Like, let's, like, you know, like, like don't 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 make this a game and still lose. Like, don't do that to me. Like, come on now, if you're going away, just go away. <laughs> uh, instead, they did make a game of it. And look, uh, cost me an extra two hours of sleep. But like, whatever. Uh, I thought that was a real credit to their uh, competitiveness and the sort of intangible things that we've seen go sideways for this offense. A lot throughout the course of the year. They didn't in this game. Thought they stuck together in, in a big way. And, um, you know, I, I do. I wrote that I, th- I felt like they grew up throughout the course of the season on offense so in some significant ways. I'm not saying all their problems are solved, but it mm-hmm. does feel like they learned some lessons throughout that uh, three game losing streak and through the adversity of the season that may carryovers you know talk to dan Moore after the game you know obviously Steelers went on a long run at the end of last season went on another run at the end of this season but they weren't really able to carry over you know last year's into this year is there a reason to think they'll be able to do it again and you know what he said was you know every team is different and you can't really do that 
But what you can do is like each guy can take some lessons that they learned and just be better. And I, mm-hmm. I think like when I look at a guy like George Pickens, like there's good reason to have some hope that he has learned some lessons over the course of the season and can um, find a way to be a more consistent contributor for his team and a more consistent teammate going forward. Yeah, certainly. Um, Alan, I want to spend the second half of the show talking about Mike Tomlin. I, I think that everybody saw it was, it was your video actually, that was kind of going around the whole on world social media. Had my video. Yeah. Um, of Mike Tomlin walking off when asked about the, you know, he has one year left on his contract. He didn't really let the full question get out there before walking off the podium. Personally, I found it hilarious. Don't know how everybody else took it. Just giving you my point of view on it. Um, and then today we, we see a report from Mike Garofalo that basically has said that he's talked to the team already and said that he plans to be the head coach in 2024. So, uh, where are we at with this? I mean, are, are we to believe that that is the case? You know, who, have you talked to people that can kind of confirm that or are we still kind of waiting to see? Well, I've, I've kind of run the roller coaster here in the last 24 hours. Uh, I, okay. if you would have asked me before the game yesterday, I would have said, yeah, he's <laughs> probably coming back. Uh, I did not know what to make of that response to that. He didn't even get to the question, like you said. Sure, yeah. I've never seen him do anything like that. Um, There was some consternation from, let's just say, higher-level Steelers people after that happened. There was some scrambling going on about what that was um, Mm -hmm. in terms of people from the front office and above. And that to me was like a, oh, like, is this different? Is is there something here? Yeah. And so I really didn't know what to make of that. I still am not really sure I know what to make of that other than it was just like very unprofessional. I, I know that I can make of it. Um, but it sure seems like from talking to people in the locker room that the players anticipate that he will come back and that sort of echoes what Mike Garofalo was reporting. And so I don't know, man, I'm not really sure what that interaction means. If it means anything going forward, it was, it was certainly uh, bizarre though. Yeah. I I wanted to get your perspective on that because like I said, I found it hilarious. You are actually somebody that covers the team though. I don't know how you would take it if you were the one asking the question and got a non-response in that fashion. To me, the way I was looking at it was he's going to talk again after the season. I didn't think that that was necessarily the setting right after a playoff loss to ask that question. Well, there's two things there. One, I mean, if, if, if that was the response to my question, I would take that as a personal insult. That's the way I would take it. Okay. I think that's how Brooks should take it. Um, second thing, in terms of the timing of the question, man, that's it's got to come up. I mean, it, it can, every single coach that lost this weekend who has any type of uncertain future was asked in that press conference about what they think is going to happen. Nick, Nick Sirianni just last night as well. Nick Sirianni was. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike McCarthy was. I mean, it it's it's going to come up. Uh, every coach knows it's going to come up. It almost felt like a calculated response to the question that he knew was coming. I'm not sure why that was the chosen response, um, but you know it's coming. And every and furthermore, like every player in an uncertain circumstance was asked the same question or a version of what was going to be the question 
last night as well. I mean, Cam Hayward, I, I'll be honest, like what I asked Cam Hayward was a far tougher question than what Mike Tomlin was going to get. Like, hey, there's some reports about you stepping away. Any truth to that? Like, I mean, I asked Cam Hayward, like, how hard would it be to retire not winning a Super Bowl after yeah. spending your whole career in organizations with guys that had won it? I mean, that's a that's a tougher question. I'm sorry. Like, it is. Mason Rudolph asked questions about his future, given his circumstance. Way tougher for him to answer that. And so, um, you know, you got to know that question's coming. It's got to come. And did it have to happen right then? No, but it's not unusual or unexpected for that question to happen, especially considering the length of time that people have been speculating publicly about Tomlin stepping away. And we've talked on the show, who's been doing the speculation? Like the fact that it's been Jay Glazer, that seems like has been driving a lot of this conversation about Mike Tomlin's future, gave it a lot of credence that it would not have had otherwise. So Mike, if you're mad about the way the situation played out, thank your boy. Not don't don't get mad at the rest of us because that's why people took it seriously. When maybe if it had been someone else, they wouldn't have. And you know, I I don't know. It, it was certainly unlike anything I've ever covered before. I, I know that much. Yeah, I was about to say like to be a fly on the wall the next time that he and Jay Glazer have a conversation because I wonder if he's going to be upset at all with the way that this has kind of played out know. due to that. Yeah, I don't know. I. I it doesn't make sense, right? Like it just doesn't track. If his if his feelings all along were that he wanted to come back strongly, that he never considered stepping away. Where's Glazer getting that information, and why is he putting it out there if that's not what Tomlin believes or wants to be public? Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense, right? I I still don't have a good sense of what actually happened there and why. Certainly seems like Tomlin said he wants to be back now to players. I you know I, I'm. Don't know Mike Garofalo well, but I b- believe his reporting, and, and I've heard similar things from players in the locker room today. And so, I assume he's going to be back. But man, it's a it's a strange ride. So this is again complete speculation on your part. Uh, is it him being back in 2024 to coach out the last season of his contract, or do we see an extension beforehand? your opinion i would be astonished if he comes back and coaches the last year's contract i don't see how you hire an offensive coordinator with the head coach on a one-year deal i i true yeah we brought that up on here before i I think he would come back i think if he would come back it would have to be with a contract extension so many how i mean i get that the fan base is pretty divided on mike tomlin in general yeah Mm -hmm. but but specifically this felt like there was a a good amount of vitriol in the reaction to the way he answered or did not answer that question. Did did that change anything for you about the way you feel about Mike Tomlin or whether he should be the coach going forward? No, I mean, I, I think like, like I said, I would have expected that question, not saying that it's, that it's not an appropriate setting or anything like that. Like you mentioned, he knows that that question is going to be asked at some point. I figured that would be something after the season that he would get asked, but it happened. And I was surprised by the non-response and him just walking off, uh, you know, as opposed to him just saying like, I'm not going to talk about that right now or something like even that would have been more Tomlin like in my opinion than what he actually did. Getting a no Um, comment would have been a, no one yeah. would be talking about it today. Right. So that kind of 
in like like I think you were talking about, um, gave it a little bit more credence to like that thought being in my mind for the first time in his tenure, where I was like, ah, maybe maybe this is the end of the road for him in Pittsburgh. Um, I kind of started to feel that way last night, and then like to have this entire thing swing back the other direction on the pendulum today with this micro follow report. Um, I, I'm back on board, but I need to see what uh, what the offensive staff looks like. That's really my biggest question mark going in to next season is going to be the, the offensive staff. And we're going to talk about that pretty much all offseason until that's taken care of, I think. I wonder what the perspective of someone who maybe did not want Mike Tomlin to be back anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their reaction would be, you know, if, if, if you're a, one of our – a member of our audience and that's where you are leave us a comment let me know i'm just in fact in general like you yeah. know there there my mentions were so flooded so if you if you dm me or you messaged me last night i i didn't get it um but you know like are are people generally okay with it some look i know the media nobody well, really likes us or feels bad for us but like yeah. are people okay with this um and did it change anyone's my, I mean, it felt like an out of character reaction, right? Like it just did. Like yeah, it, I agree it, with that. Yeah, for and, sure. and I don't know. Um, it, I wonder if there, you know, if there are people that that were like, yeah, fine, bring him back to saw that that think now, man, do do we really want this guy? I I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting. I wonder, you know, how much the the in is in your mind at all. How does he carry himself? after a win as opposed to a loss, there's a pretty even keel. Is it, is it different? Because like, I'm wondering, say that they, you know, win their last game of the regular season, but like at that point they knew they weren't going to be in the playoffs or whatever. Say they finished nine and eight, but they lost a different one and won that last game and then got asked that after the finale or something like that. Do you think it's the same type of thing? Or do you think it's more about him being so frustrated by just losing a playoff game that that's what the response was? No, honestly, I feel like he's generally more elaborative when they lose. Now, maybe not mm. in questions about himself, like because that's a little bit different. But like, if yeah. you ask him an in-depth football question when they win, he'll give you a four-word platitude. Be like, "Yeah, we did good at that, but that's the requirements of winning." But if you ask him to break something down about a loss, he's generally more willing to go in depth and talk to you about why things happened after a loss than a win. I don't know. Um, I uh, like I you know to, to sort of circle back to my original comment. I don't know if there's some personal animus between him and Brooke that that preceded that. I I don't know. Um, I've never gotten that sense from from Brooke's perspective. Uh, it, it's bizarre, and and you know there were a lot of disgusting comments in my feed about um the the place of women journalists in this town and i you know whether you like brooke or whether you think she does a good job like you know that's a perfectly fair question that anyone in that room could have asked and and sure yeah and what and and it was expected that someone in that room was probably going to and so uh and didn't didn't care for a lot of the reaction uh extremely negatively towards her like i said like i feel like i asked harder questions to the players mm-hmm. than than what I assume she was going to ask because she didn't even get to ask. <laughs> well, it, I I saw some of it because so I being that I reposted your video 
yeah people were responding that fo- like follow me that i was showing up on their timeline responding to me so it was tagging me and you in it and i was even seeing some of the people be like not the right place not the right time like all these things um people were saying like oh brooke Pryor again or you know like so yeah i i don't think as necessarily as nasty as what you saw but yeah there were certainly some people that were saying some questionable stuff that i came across as well yeah. um yeah it's unfortunate yeah. yeah it's uh it's unfortunate but i you know and look we didn't haven't asked them about it like that i feel like that was another i, I saw some people say like he's he's gone over this like we have not talked to mike tomlin about his future since training camp it has not come up at any point this season, yeah. not like this was the 30th time he's been asked what, in fact, these reports started circulating before his last pregame press conference last week. And it did not get brought up in those pregame press conferences. You know, it was, it was not, it's not like this has been a repeated topic of conversation where uh, you get a frustration level over answering the same question over and over again. Um, you know, we asked Mike about his future when it became clear that he wasn't going to get a contract extension before this season, and and that it's it's hasn't been an issue until now. It hasn't come up, and so I was really, you know, strange to see so many people say, "Oh, they should know better." You know, he's already addressed that. I'm like, no, he hasn't. He, you know, and and certainly not since it was reported by his close friend that he was considering stepping away. You know, it, it was definitely not brought up, and so. Very strange. I, the last thing that I recall, like someone when Tom was talking about like, his future, was when he had to shut down the stuff about him going to college coaching. You know, the never say never, but never comments. Like, since it, like, I, with, a be- with a big enough check, I love that quote. That was after yeah. the 2020 season. So that was three mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. So, I, like, mean, I don't like, recall yeah. people bringing up his contract status. And no one is suggesting that he was going to go coach college like yeah i think he made it pretty clear that he's not going to do that i would agree with that like i'm not asking him that question again I, I think he was very crystal clear about that response but um yeah i certainly is something that uh the, the world has been wanting to know about what mike tumlin thought about his future beyond the 2023 season it had been publicly speculated at, at large and uh I guess now we know it seems like that was a harder than necessary route to take to get here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We'll see if we get any more information within the next 24 hours. I can tell you for sure tomorrow, Alan, one thing that I want to talk about is Cam Hayward because we didn't discuss him at all. You brought up briefly that you talked to him. So put that on the ledger for sure tomorrow. Um, but Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At a Saunders underscore PGH, PGH Steelers now, Steelers now.com. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And um, there's all my snowy videos from Buffalo. Are up Which, there by the way, are like some of the best performing videos that have been on the YouTube channel where you just giving weather reports. Yeah, if, <laughs> if things get real stale this offseason, I'm just going to go storm chasing. I feel like that's the that might be the actual ticket here on YouTube. Hey, uh, I mean, the numbers don't lie, so they're there uh like subscribe hit that notification bell here leave us a five-star review if you were listening somewhere else whether that's apple spotify wherever you get your podcast from you can find us there leave us a comment down below let us know how you feel what was the one oh you wanted to know how people felt about the tom and thing i was just saying we need people's opinions about that uh regardless of what side you went into yesterday on whether you wanted tom and back or whether you didn't want him back did that change your perspective at all 
uh, and where are you at now? Let us know in the comments about that. Ask us questions. Of course, we will get to them throughout the week. We're going to have a lot more time for questions coming up, so be sure to get them in as well. I'm Zachary Smith, PGH, for Alan Saunders and myself. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. <laughs>